0: The house was very small, consisting of a front parlour, never used, a back kitchen, and two small bedrooms up a rickety flight of stairs. Penelope soon returned and shepherded the girls out into the dark and freezing cold. Winter held London in its grip. One woke up in darkness and lived in darkness all day as clouds covered the heavens and thick smoke belched from millions of chimneys. Hoar frost sparkled on the railings and pavements of Cutler's Fields. Look, cried Penelope, isn't it wonderful, like diamonds? But her sisters felt too scared to open their mouths. Their home was not yet far enough behind them along, duckies, cheer up, said Penelope, putting an arm around each shawled shoulder and doing a little dance with her old cracked boots on the frosty pavement. Tell you what, I'll sing you a song, I heard. Releasing the girl's shoulders, she struck an attitude and started to sing in a voice as clear as a lark. She was poor, but she was honest. Victim of the squire's whim, first he loved her, then he left her, and she lost her honest name. One by one, like wary animals, the neighbours ventured out of their houses into the damp, sour squares of earth that passed for gardens, drawn by Penelope singing. Her little sisters forgot their fears as they listened to the well-known comic ballad. Oblivious of her small audience, Penelope caroled on for the sheer joy of it. One by one, they joined in until it seemed as if everyone in dreary cutler's fields was roaring out the last verse. It's the same the whole world over. It's the poor what gets the blame. It's the rich that gets the pleasure. Isn't it a bleeding shame? there was a spattering of applause, and Penelope grinned and swirled her dirty patched skirts in a curtsy. You ought to be on the stage, wheezed old Mrs Jenkins, nearly falling on her face as she tried to lean on her non-existent gait, forgetting in the glory of the moment that her husband had sold it to the scrap dealer only the week before. Lovely, your voices, lovely. Ugh, called Mr Barker, the rag and bone man. Here's yesterday's paper, and in it, though, says something about wanting Lewis girls. Have a look at it, begged Mrs Tyson, a thin, anemic housewife carrying her 14th offspring in her shawl. You could be a Lewis girl, Pen. you really could. Oh, look at it later, said Penelope, laughing, taking the paper and tucking it under her arm. I've got to get the girls off to school. Waving to the neighbours, she swung off down the road, keeping up a brisk trot until the parish school loomed up through the black, sooty air. "'Run along, ducks,' she said, giving Emily and Josie a kiss each. "'Now don't you worry. Pa be like lambs when you gets home, and me, well, I may have a job, that's what.' "'Oh!' breathed Josie round eyes. Are you coming on the stage then? Maybe, said Penelope, laughing off with you. She waited until the two girls had been swallowed up in the darkness of the school entrance and turned around and ran home, dancing and skipping through the cold air. She stopped at the post office, which also served as bakery, sweet shop, haberdasher and general grocer, and bought a small brown paper bag of coal with the little money she had found in her father's pockets. Penelope decided to treat herself to a fire, just a little one. She would save the rest of the coal to warm the girls when they came home from school. Once the fire was lit and a few stale tea leaves at the bottom of the caddy were coaxed into something resembling a brew, Penelope opened the morning bugle that Mr. Barker had given her and turned to the advertisements. There it was, in a neat box, all on its own. One Lewis girl wanted. Auditions, 11 a.m., Wednesday, January 5th, Lewis's The Strand. Penelope took a deep breath. A Lewis girl. The Lewis girls were already...